Welcome to Life Beat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Right to Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining us today is our Education and Events Coordinator, Catherine Kinsey. Hey, Catherine, how are you? Good. A little cold? Yeah, definitely <laughs> a very cold day. It's a winter wonderland in Michigan. Yes. Um, but uh, while the temperature may be dropping like a rock, the election is heating up as right. if it could get any more heated, right? Right. right. Still have a ways to go. <laughs> yes, we do. So we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the election, uh, specifically the March 10 primary in Michigan for the presidential race. We're going to talk about uh, one of those candidates, Mayor Pete, and his comments about abortion. <clears throat> but first, I thought we'd talk about uh, kicking pro-life Dems out of the Democratic Party, yes. which has become a pastime of some mm -hmm. of our uh, Democratic presidential candidates, isn't mm -hmm. it, Ben? Definitely. So uh, I think... One of the most interesting articles you can read on the topic is by a gentleman named Charlie Camacy. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's a professor at Fordham and is uh, one of the more active, at least on Twitter, uh, pro-life Democrats. Interesting guy. You can get uh, his take on things. Um, he even wrote a book a couple of uh, years ago talking about, well, what's some sort of common ground that you can have uh, between the pro-life and pro-choice side. Uh, you wrote an article, which surprised me, it was in the uh, mm -hmm. Washington Post, and it was basically how uh, he can't take it no more. Yeah. It was just, <laughs> so think about it, this is a, a guy who says, I am a pro-life Democrat through and through, and he says, uh, I just can't take it anymore, and what he pointed to as the straw that broke the camel back, uh, camel's back was uh, presidential nominee and mayor of South Bend, mm -hmm. Pete Buttigieg, who basically said that um, uh, you know abortion should be legal through all nine months of pregnancy uh, because, uh, and he used the Bible as justification because somehow uh, your life does not begin until you begin breathing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's just... I, so, I mean, it, it's pretty ghastly. Well, first of all, uh, I'm not... A, are you a biblical scholar, Catherine? I am not. I am not a not biblical not scholar, but I'm pretty sure you can find a couple verses in there about your life beginning... <laughs> I think I've heard Way some. before yeah. <laughs> uh, a few minutes or seconds after birth. Um, yeah. Because, Catherine, uh, not every child comes out of the womb uh, breathing. Yeah. Sometimes you got to stimulate them a little mm -hmm. bit to get them going. But in Pete Buttigieg's, uh, Buttigieg's world, that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of <laughs> Buttigieg's. Um, if that child isn't breathing when it comes out of the womb and you want to decapitate the child, yeah, legal, right? Apparently. If, if that child's been. life did not begin until the child began breathing... Uh, it doesn't matter if the child's inside of the womb or outside of the womb, right, Catherine? Apparently. Right. Um, so we will get to Mayor Pete a little bit more in a few minutes, but uh, let's get back to just the whole topic of uh, you know pro-life Democrats and, and the Democratic Party. So you can do opinion polls, and 
Uh, majority of the Democratic Party uh, is not pro-life, which I think is clear. Right. But there are uh, millions and millions of Democrats who would consider themselves pro-life. Mm -hmm. um, some of which probably would say they're absolutely 100% pro-life. Right. And uh, how it works now with our two-party system is uh, the issue of abortion has really become polarized between the parties. So uh, some people think that's weird and strange. Mm -hmm. um, some people, and I would personally argue um, that it is kind of just a natural result of how our political system and our two-party system is set up. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Catherine? Well, yeah, I feel like I feel like on so many issues, um, both parties are just so polarized that abortion kind of just takes it to the next level, and it's just such a huge separation. It is, uh, and so you know, some people, and I'll get to this in a second, could point to some uh, decisions and reasons that it is that way. Um, I'll make my case first. Uh, so why are the two parties so far apart in abortion and other issues? Well, you know, in America, you have a two-party system. And um, we kind of went through this weird time in history uh, following the end of World War II where you could find um, Democrats who were more conservative than Republicans and Republicans who were more liberal than Democrats, uh, and it was uh, sort of very regional. Your sort of northeastern Republicans tended to be a little bit more liberal versus the western state Republicans, and your southern Democrats tended to be a little bit more conservative than your eastern and western um, other Democrats. Mm -hmm. So I think that is kind of weird. And maybe everyone thinks that that was normal when, I mean, it's not. If you look at American history, you had the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists who hated each other's guts. Um, then you had the, the Whigs kind of faded into nothing. The Republicans came on the scenes and they and the Democrats hated their guts so much they <laughs> started shooting at each other yeah. for, uh, you know, four years there. Um, and then uh, you kind of really had this, I don't know, and even during, uh, you had this kind of weird progressive era at the beginning of the 1900s um, where you had, you know, Teddy Roosevelt and, and Taft splitting the Republican Party apart. And you have all these kind of weird things, but in a two-party system, and these two parties generally have a specific worldview, um, it's really hard for me to think that abortion really fits in, like is going to be, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, split evenly between each side's parties, which right. used to be kind of the case. You know, in Michigan, uh, there used to be a Democratic majorities at points in mm -hmm. our uh, legislative history in the last few decades. And we've had a pro-life majority. Mm -hmm. um, I, I believe at one point uh, the Rights Life Michigan Political Action Committee endorsed half of the Democratic caucus oh, for wow. the state legislature. Half. That is so impressive. half that is very impressive, but I would say kind of weird, particularly just because overall the Democratic Party tends to have a more uh, progressive view, and the conserv and the Republican Party tends to have a more conservative view. And so, for me, it'd be really weird to have each party be half progressive and half conservative. 
Right. Because that's a very different, those are two very different worldviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my case. Now, why is the Democratic Party, uh, at, especially at the national level, uh, you know, so virulently against uh, pro-life candidates? So, uh, and I will say the Republican Party, uh, it's really hard to be a candidate on the national level and uh, believe that unborn children have no human value. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would say that's a good thing. Because we think 100% of people should believe that every human being has human value. Um, What you, so, but there's still, I think, you know, you look at a person like John McCain, who um, was not, uh, or even a Mitt Romney, or or even a Donald Trump, you know, who all have exceptions, for example, Mm -hmm. in cases of rape, or John McCain, who supported stem cell research. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, so even at the most at the highest level running for president, uh, they're not pro-life enough for us right, always. Um, yeah. And there's more room to grow. And uh, but you can have like a there's like a Susan Collins, uh, and a, who is uh, you know precariously holding on to her seat as a sort <laughs> of you know pro-abortion Republican who still voted to nominate Neil Gorsuch and right. Brett Kavanaugh. So. Um, you know, I don't know if she voted for Gorsuch or not. I'm just assuming. I think she did. Um, so on the Democratic side, however, I think not. it's not just a natural difficulty. They, in the last few years, have tried to go down and hunt down yeah. all the pro-life Democrats. And sort of the last one standing uh, in, in Congress is uh, Dan Lipinski from Illinois, who mm-hmm. pro-abortion groups have targeted to destroy him in primaries to kick him out of the party. Yeah. Um, and as the Democratic Party on a national level really uh, embraces this hardcore abortion position of abortion on demand, through all nine months of pregnancy, up even after pregnancy, yeah. we don't have to treat or provide care to children who survive botched abortions, just let them die, mm-hmm. they think. Um you know, if the child isn't breathing, kill it, uh, which is Pete Buttigieg's position on abortion. Um, who, <laughs> who says the woman should draw that line, but that's where he draws the line. Right. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and it's not just, um, you know, backroom party people who are doing this. It's the candidates at the top level. I think, so Boot, Pete Buttigieg has said that uh, he actually took a question from the president of Democrats for Life and basically said, no, you don't get to be part of our party. Um, recently, Bernie Sanders was asked mm-hmm. that question and said uh, to be a Democrat these days, which apparently he is, like he joined the Democratic Party <laughs> like five seconds ago to run for president. Right. Um, he was an independent, or still is an independent in the U.S. Senate, as far as I know. Um he said that, but then at the last election cycle, uh, he actually endorsed a candidate, a local race, uh, a candidate for a local race who was mm-hmm. marginally not pro-abortion. I don't even think it was really pro-life candidate, mm-hmm. but just voted against abortion specific proposals or something or voiced opposition. And people jumped down Bernie's throat for that. Yeah. Bernie learned. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta be apparently pro-abortion. there's just no wiggle room at all. 
zero wiggle room. Now, it is interesting that one of the candidates running, uh, Amy Klobuchar, mm -hmm. never quite sure how to say her name properly, um, has said, yeah, sure, pro-life Democrats get to be part of the party. So that's risky encouraging. Encouraging. <laughs> well, it's kind of risky, but if you look at her voting record, Amy Klobuchar is absolutely 100% pro-abortion. Right, right, right. And so... Um, there's a little tension there, and I'm sure she's getting some pushback, mm -hmm. uh, especially from the people who have money in the party and the donors, um, because there are a lot of big money donors who are all in on abortion. Right. Um, so we'll see what happens there. One thing that I really want to point to uh, that I think really shows why this is a bad move uh, for the Democratic Party <coughs> is uh, back before Obamacare passed, uh, you had, uh, you know, the mayor of Chicago, uh, Rahm Emanuel, uh, this is before he was the mayor, mm -hmm. uh, was in charge of recruiting candidates to run for Congress. And uh, I'm not a big fan of Rahm Emanuel, but he is not a stupid individual. He's a very mm -hmm. smart man. And he said, well, we have a ton of these sort of old school Democratic districts like in the South and you know some in the West and other areas where uh, candidates who were pro-life but supported us on you know 80, 90 percent of the issues mm -hmm. could win. And if we run these candidates in the more conservative districts, they can win. Right. And that gives us a majority mm -hmm. in Congress in the House of Representatives, and then we can enact our agenda. And that was his plan. Uh, and uh, Rahm Emanuel came through. Mm -hmm. And so President Obama, when he started, had total control of Congress and could do almost whatever he wanted. And so they, uh, he proceeded to focus all of his efforts on ramming through Obamacare. Mm -hmm. And it was the pro-life Democrats who stood up and said, no, we're not going to vote for this unless it clearly doesn't support abortion. And of course, uh, so close to their important goal of their health care plans, there was no way they weren't going to toss abortion in there. And basically, in the end, um, you know, Bart Stupak from Michigan, who's a genuine pro-life guy, but, uh, you know, he was the leader of the Democratic caucus, and a lot of those pro-life Democrats caved. Right. And uh, what happened is, strangely enough, even though the Democratic Party on a national level got these pro-life Democrats to cave, and give them everything what they everything they wanted. Mm -hmm. Instead of continuing with the status quo, um, they decided to we'll skip you guys. We're going to purge you all from our ranks. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, obviously, it hurt some of those pro-life Democrats who voted that way in Obamacare. Uh, and so uh, they kicked them out of the party. Yeah. And then uh, it's been very difficult for them to get control of Congress once again. Uh, they were, were able to in the twenty. 18 um, midterms, you know, your typical mm -hmm. anti-incumbent president midterm vote, and they're able to get back control of the House. So uh, the lesson they seem to be taking away from this is not, well, you know, let's be like Amy Klobuchar, maybe, and even like <laughs> say like yes to 30% of our party. Yeah, we want you part of it. They're no, purge, gone, get out of here. You're not welcome here. Pro-life Democrats go home. Uh, if you don't support infanticide, uh, then you're nothing to us. Yeah. It's a bold strategy, Catherine. Let's see how it plays out. <laughs> All right. Um, 
So uh, we mentioned a few times uh, South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Um, kind of interesting that he's running for president uh, just this week uh, in Indiana. Uh, mm -hmm. They buried the bodies of more than 2,400 right. aborted babies who were uh, in the garage, found in the garage, the bodies of the former South Bend abortionist, yeah. uh, late-term abortionist Ulrich Klopfer. Um, and uh, it's very interesting because Pete Buttigieg in South Bend uh, fought to keep a pro-life pregnancy center from opening mm -hmm. because, Catherine, they support all choices. Yeah. As long as all your choices are abortion. Right. Um, so it would have been nice, you know, if there was a pro-life pregnancy center that was encouraged to compete with this crazy abortionist who turned his garage into a charnel house full of corpses. Mm -hmm. 2,400. Right. That's a lot of human beings. It really is. Uh, just buried this week. Um, so that's where Pete Buttigieg stands. And uh, so he's been kind of getting some of the scrutiny about his views on abortion. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was on The View because apparently that's where everyone goes. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're gluttons for punishment these days, um, whether you're Democrats or Republicans. And uh, Megan McCain, who is one of the hosts of The View, and... Uh, uh, it's a daughter of John McCain, mm -hmm. and uh, to her credits, willing to stand up for pro-life issues. Uh, she asked him a question about late-term abortion and basically said, are you even talking about supporting, you know, this late-term abortion, the, all this stuff about infanticide? What do you think about that? Right. And uh, Pete Buttigieg could have been clear and concise in his answer, but that's not his style. <laughs> He's like... A, <laughs> He's like Obama without the gravitas. <laughs> There's that right. word gravitas, they might say. Um, this was his response. Quote, if this is a late-term situation, then by definition it's one where a woman was expecting to carry the pregnancy to term. Then she got gets the most perhaps devastating news of her life. We're talking about families that may have picked out a name, maybe assembling a crib, and they learn something excruciating and are faced with this terrible choice. And I don't know what to tell them morally about what they should do. So Pete Buttigieg's position on late-term abortion is every late-term abortion, he said, is because their child had a diagnosis of disability or some condition. Um, mm -hmm. And he says that uh, those children have no value and the woman should be able to decide to do whatever they want. Right. There's a big glaring problem with this position, Catherine. It ain't true. Right. It ain't true. Um, and this is a myth that is just so hard to get stuck out of people's heads because this is how you always hear it talked about in the media is, and how Planned Parenthood always talks about it, how candidates always talk about it, is they always say that all these late-term abortions are for all these <coughs> terrible uh, health conditions well, it's the only way you can really justify that. So, of course, they're going to repeat that. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a great point. Um, but it's just not true. Right. And uh, we know this is not true thanks to research from the abortion industry itself. And I know we've talked about this in the podcast, and we're going to keep talking about it till we're blue in the face because it's just so frustrating how many media voices just take these comments um, that, you know, that these candidates make, you know, um, if President Trump is off by, you know, a digit quoting a number, 
then, you know, CNN puts up a Chiron, you know, this is horrible, we have to stop this, <laughs> fact check, fact check. Right. But these these candidates get away with these false, this false information about abortion all the time, and a reporter never, ever, I've never seen a reporter actually push back and say, well, actually, um, and I know reporters don't always do that for other Republican candidates, but uh, the double standard is pretty frustrating. Mm-hmm. So the abortion industry, uh, Guttmacher Institute, which uh, it used to be openly affiliated with Planned Parenthood, um, and they tried, they, it sort of got spun off as being independent. I'm pretty sure Planned Parenthood still pays most of their bills mm-hmm. uh, or arranges most of their bills to be paid. Uh, but they get quoted as this sort of, this sort of independent researcher in the news as if they are not actually part of the industry that'd be like national right to life having their own research institute with a different name Mm -hmm. um that they pay for and then uh, reporters quoting that as an objective source right which they're not right i mean we're not technically we're not an objective source we have our subjective opinion Mm -hmm. which we are uh making you listen to for 30 <laughs> minutes every two weeks right. on LifeBeat here. Um, but uh, the Guttmacher Institute released this study about who has abortion after 20 weeks. Mm-hmm. And because you know that they are subjectively absolutely 100% in favor of abortion, if they say something that runs counter to their narrative and their talking points, you're pretty sure it has to be true, true, so much so that they can't deny it or fudge the numbers. Right. And in this study, they plainly say that even though the way most late-term abortions are talked about is because the woman's life is at risk or the child's has a health condition or a disability, that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the, va- the majority of abortions after 20 weeks, late-term abortions, mm-hmm. are not for those reasons. And what they did is they looked at a profile of who are these women who have late-term abortions. And um, they fitted into one of five profiles. Number one, women raising children alone. Number two, women who are depressed or using drugs. Number three, women in conflict with a male partner are experiencing domestic violence. Number four, women who had trouble deciding earlier in the pregnancy. And number five, young women with several children. Catherine, <laughs> are any of those five reasons that include most women who have mm-hmm. late-term abortions have anything to do with the situation Pete Buttigieg described on The View? No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, if you ask people, even in the first trimester, I'm going to guarantee you that most Americans for most of those reasons would say abortion should be illegal. These reasons, which are just purely social or economic uh, in reasoning, are the reasons most women have late-term abortions as well. And Pete Buttigieg gets away on The View with just saying, you know, painting this picture that's just not accurate. Right. Um, And I really wish people would push back, Uh, you know, Uh, Even if you are listening and maybe you consider yourself pro-choice and you support abortion, I mean, just as you said, Catherine, you know, we're talking 20, 20, 24 weeks. Mm -hmm. The child can live outside of the womb. If you want to end the pregnancy, you know, there's a big difference between 
inducing labor and giving birth to a live baby and taking forceps and twisting off the arms and legs, crushing the body and crushing the skull of the child. Mm -hmm. That's what Pete Buttigieg thinks should happen. And hiding behind, you know, uh, actual people who have, uh, you know, bad things do happen in pregnancy or they get an adverse diagnosis, you know, using those people as human shields to justify abortion for any reason he wants uh, up until the baby starts breathing uh, is shameful. Yeah. It's shameful. Um, And so we'll keep following the presidential race, of course. But when you hear these things talked about and you hear these facts and you hear these stories and scenarios from the abortion industry, um, what they're doing is basically propaganda because their mm-hmm. own research that they publish says that what they're talking about as the situations um, for most abortions, false, right. untrue, mm-hmm. inaccurate. Fake news, Catherine. Yes. All right, uh, before we finish up, I just want to put a plug out there. In Michigan, on March 10, we have our presidential primary. Who are you voting for, Catherine? (laughs) It's a secret ballot. You don't have to say. Um, But uh, we want to encourage everyone to uh, get out there and vote. Uh, This is your chance to have a say on who the presidential nominee should be. Um, On the Democratic side, obviously, all of the candidates are supporting abortion, um, on demand for any reason, uh, even an Amy Klobuchar or Tulsi Gabbard, who maybe uh, wants to not completely alienate pro-life Democratic voters. On the Republican side, uh, obviously Donald Trump running for re-election. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's three other candidates, two of whom have uh, dropped out. Uh, the one who's still in, Bill Weld, former governor of uh, Massachusetts, I believe, uh, ran in the Libertarian ticket as vice president last go-around. Uh, it supports abortion. And so um, Donald Trump's the only pro-life candidate still in the race running on the Republican side. Right. So uh, you can go out there and vote in the March 10 primary. And this year, it's important for people to know that the elections are running under a different set of rules. Mm-hmm. And Catherine, are you going to vote on election day? <laughs> on March 10, or are you going to vote absentee now for any reason? Yeah, you know what? That might be nice. <laughs> I, haven't, okay. I haven't thought about it yet. But... All right. Well, I, uh, I'm i going in, uh, in person. Because <laughs> I, I am, uh, yeah, I'm the, I'm the purist, and I don't trust the uh, mail. But yeah. uh, you know, they, they lost my draft registration when I was 18. Oh. So it don't worry. I, I did apply to selective service. I did not break the law, but... And they lost my voter registration card. Oh. But I, yeah, that, wow. okay. that's not a good sign for a voter. Like, uh, um, can you send me another voter registration card? And get yeah. Okay. Um, it was Ann Arbor. Maybe they didn't like, maybe they didn't like <laughs> how I would, how I'd vote. Um, right. But uh, you can, from the comfort of your home, for any reason, request an absentee ballot. You used to have to give a reason to get one in Michigan, but that's not the case. So you can request an absentee ballot and then mail it in. Uh, you can go to your local clerk and vote in person. In other words, just filling out your absentee ballot in person and then turning it in there. Um, and that's right now. You can do it right now. Uh, voting is open for that March 10 primary. So if you feel so inclined, mm-hmm. uh, go ahead and do that. Uh, for more information about that, you can go to the Secretary of State's website, uh, michigan.gov, and they'll have the application and everything there online. Uh, 
And we have some basic instructions about that on our website, rtl.org, the big banner that says March 10 primary. All right, that's all the time we have for this additional Life Beat. Join us again in two weeks. Stay warm.